I go where I'm loved. <laughs> rather than rather than try and fix the the problems I needed to have at home. No, I went, yeah, so I wasn't being uh, A, the person I needed to be in the home, and B, I wasn't being loved for who I was unconditionally in the home. So instead of trying to show up and serve in the home and practice what I preach, and I just went to those people who already saw my value. Um, I, you know, I, I fortunately have stepped back enough to realize that, and I've been fortunate enough to build something great and still have my family intact. All right, Ryan, let's do this thing, man. So I just told the audience in the interview and... Let me reiterate again that sometimes there are connections made and you don't question them. You just roll with them. That's the surrender experiment. That's the untethered soul, Michael Singer. That's just, okay, universe, I got it. You put this guy in front of me like 10 times. So I'm not just going to watch his stuff. I'm going to reach out to him. So that's what I did. I I watched uh, a bunch of interviews with that you did on YouTube. The last one... Um, was uh, Matthew McConaughey, who I'm a huge, huge uh, uh, supporter of and fan of, um, as I'm sure you are. And, you know, my book club's reading Green Lights right now. And I was like, okay, this is totally aligned. I'm reaching out to this, dude, this final straw. We're doing this. So I don't know you. I only found out a tad bit about you. So the audience and I are going to find out more about you and your podcast and your mission as we roll here. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for being here. So your background, um, go all the way back. Mm. And I want the audience to get to get close to you because they're gonna they're gonna everybody's got a story, everybody's got a similar story of pain or of some mm. kind of fear or something. What's yours? Oh, thanks for the space. Yeah, I, cool. I uh, I'm thirty four. I live here in the southwest of England with my my wife, who I've been with since school. We've been together since fifteen. Um, we got two kids, an eight year old and a six year old. And you know, I, I grew up in a, you know, I had a great childhood. I'll be really clear, I'll be really honest from the start. But it's not without pain, like as you said, we've all experienced pain. And, and my pain was, you know, my dad left when I was six months old, um, so I didn't really grow up with him. Reconnected later on in in kind of like uh, teens, but. You know, I didn't grow up and mum remarried and I had a stepdad and that was all great. You know, family unit was great. Uh, brother and sister through with, with him. But um, 12 years old, mum separates from him. And I oh. guess that was really pivotal, really, because that's, that's such a crucial age, I think, 12. And I, I look back at my own journey, you know, uh, as a coach. And sometimes you've got to apply some of these things to yourself and everything I've ever really connected to anything good about me me is about this sense of love and empathy and, and wanting to be a great nurturer and parent it comes from this pain of of being abandoned you know it's a heavy word for me but i feel like you know the only two role, male role models in my life they've abandoned me and i think that has a couple of effects on me i didn't really i wouldn't say i would show up every day in the world as a 15 year old kid woe is me i miss my dad but i guess it made me into a human being that did two things one is just never ask for help <laughs> you know i was i just i just never relied on anybody and i think that's you know it's a great strength but also a great weakness and sure. you know my mum was epic she, three or four jobs the she's the epitome of like optimism and positivity so she's my she's my role model but i've just always had a you know i was, I was I don't know, I was, I was the eldest of all my siblings, um, just a curious human being, loved to learn about people, people watchers. So I've, I fell in love with psychology and I went to university. First first person in my family to go to, to university did psychology. And I fell in love with this idea of why do naughty people do naughty things? And <laughs> so, so I naturally pursued kind of policing, wanted to be a criminal profiler. 
and I joined. Uh, I remember my wife. She was. She, we got to the age of twenty-one, and she's like, "I need to move out now. I've had. A, I've had enough of living at home. I feel suffocated. Can you please just get a job <laughs> so we can move out?" <laughs> so I got an entry-level job. I ended up taking nine 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 calls, emergency calls, and dispatching officers on the radio. And I did that for a good three and a half years. I mean, as a twenty-one-year-old, that is a steep learning curve. You know, dealing with people in, in their most vulnerable moments in life. But I loved it. I thrived. I was very, very good at it. Um, calm under pressure. But it's just, you can't do it forever. The shift work yeah. was painful. I applied to be a police officer. Thought that I was going to be my 30-year career. I was successful. But the government spending cutbacks kind of kicked in and my intake no longer uh, existed. So I had to rethink. I thought that, you know... That was quite painful. I thought, here's my 30-year career sorted. Here's my life sorted. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm back searching. So I uh, yeah, I just I just got back to doing something that I was good at. I became an analyst, became really good. And at that point, I became both a line manager and a parent at the same time. And I think that was really transformational because here I was in uh, the policing uh, situation where leadership was rank status position hierarchy and yet at home i'm 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 sacrificing and serving this little thing i'm giving and i'm serving and i'm nurturing and i'm developing and in my team i'm supporting i'm nurturing i'm developing i'm giving people place to contribute and to matter and i like the this is the same thing like parenting (laughs) leadership it's not about rank and position and status so I fell in love with this concept of leadership being service orientated. Um and, and, and that's just started, you know, this this lifelong pursuit of learning to first and foremost be a better leader myself. Mm-hmm. And um and in doing so, using coaching and I've built this little community here uh on Facebook started. It just could always better than yesterday. It was initially mindset, I was very much driven by mindset and psychology yeah. and thinking. But the more I've got to heart of leadership, it's love. And it's yeah. about love and service and sacrifice. So my my, my logo quite here is, is a heart in the very center of it. And I, and I believe that I will help the world be always better than yesterday. For every single heart-centered leader, I help bring their heart work into the world. Love that, man. I love that. I was very curious about your brand when I saw the logo. And... Again, I, I don't question the universe anymore. I, I know I know it's got me. I know it's got my back. So when I saw that, I was like, always better than yesterday. That's a cool concept. And, and there are a lot of always better than yesterday on iTunes. But yours is the warmest, most welcoming, in all honesty. Because if you type in always better than yesterday on iTunes, you'll find a couple more. But yours has the, the logo kind of front and foremost and center and um and then like a little bit of your face on there and, and I, that, that was what kind of drew me and so let me let me go back for a second do you think it's interesting because i talk to people who have um a parent who left and everybody is different and obviously the variables are going to be different mm-hmm. of, of literally everybody and everybody's situation and where they are in in the world and where they are in whatever but how did you not go down the super resentment, super anger, uh, you know, acting out, getting in trouble to try and get that love and attention. What was it that shifted you <laughs> at, to get your love and attention in a different way? You know, cause you I hear was, so many people like my dad yeah, left and I got into drugs. I got my dad left and I, I beat up my teacher. Like they're just kids that are yeah. looking for love. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, uh, I was a young man, not, not, my the way i showed up as a young man was two things one was arrogant um i i always used to reject being called arrogant because i never felt it in my heart but here's the perception that i gave off i was so looking for validation and so looking for someone to be proud of me that i would tell people how good i was i would tell people how much i knew i would tell people how great i was doing and and i 
and I didn't mean to, you know, do it in a way that put me above anybody else. It, it, it was a young man showing up into the world, trying to have someone be proud of him because he didn't get told he was loved when he was a kid. He certainly didn't hear the words, I'm proud of you. Um, and, and I, and I look back at it and I, I, I never owned the arrogance, but I, I can see, I can see how it came across. Um, yeah. And secondly is, is the, 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 the I mean, for, for your audience members that, that have faith, the way that I describe this is that in the, in the Bible, Paul goes to God and he says, please remove these thorns from my flesh. And what he really means by that is, you know, we all have pain. We all have the weakness. And, and for me, mine is love and validation, you know, and, and, I built this great community always better than yesterday where I got a lot of love and validation. Yeah. A lot of it. A lot yeah. of people were seeing the best of Ryan Hartley. My my wife and I, we were both running businesses at the time. She was a network marketer. She had a team of 300, um, was doing great things, but we were doing great things in separate offices. We were doing, we were going in separate ways. We were growing apart and, you know, and, and, the problem I had, and, and, and this comes to the flaws in me, my character and my thorns in my side, is that I go where I'm loved. <laughs> rather than rather than try and fix the, the problems I needed to have at home. Oh. No, I went, yeah, so I wasn't being, uh, A, the person I needed to be in the home, and B, I wasn't being loved for who I was unconditionally in the home. So instead of trying to show up and serve at, in the home and practice what I preach and I just went to those people who already saw my value. Um, yeah, I totally get that. You know, I, I fortunately have stepped back enough to realize that and I've been fortunate enough to build something great and still have my family intact. So I want to dig into that for a second. I had that yeah, same experience and my parents are together except there was a big mix of conditional and unconditional love in my household. Nothing wrong with that because my parents listen to this. So when they're listening, I don't want them to think, well, why, why am I the asshole? Why don't they do it? You're not. I'm who I am today because of them and their leadership and their failures and their fuck ups and everything in between. I'm who I am today um, for the world, like the guy I am for the world and for myself, and my family and everybody. But I had that same thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't like some big trauma. It wasn't some big miraculous thing that happened. It was, it was a, like, can anybody recognize me for the amazing stuff that I do? And then the conditioning became, same as you, the conditioning became, well, if you don't recognize me, I'll find somebody that will. And so then I'm seeking crowds and, and spaces mm. and people mm. that will validate my greatness and my, you know, whatever my, uh, my skill or my talent or whatever it might've been at the time. Mm. So I want to dig into that for a little bit because I know there's people out there that are just wondering, you know, they're, they're like, um, it's like their audio is not matching the video at this point in their life. Many people, you know, I, I coach a, a, hundreds of high level men around the world and, and some women and, most of the time they are coming into coaching probably for like the fifth to 10th time that they're trying coaching. And they come to us and I say, look, the only, the only way this is going to work is if your audio really doesn't match the video and you are, you are driving yourself nuts trying to catch up, trying to watch this movie and the, and the sounds three seconds off. And that's when like real transformation happens. But the challenge is that, we all have these groups that we run in these environments that we operate in where we don't want to be there anymore. The old us did, but the new version of us, especially if we're actually working on ourselves and growing personally is saying, okay, something's not adding up here. Something's not working here anymore. And that's that, which is like, there were some friend groups that I used to run in where I'm like, I don't need validation from these people anymore. Like, I feel like I'm way more, elevated not not a not like a arrogant way but mm -hmm. i have personally elevated myself out of this crew now i start seeking more validation from other, from elsewhere but that had to stop eventually so i want to mm -hmm. i want to go through that with for the audience i want to go through from mm -hmm. the from the like the trajectory and the the process of you 
seeking that validation and, and where that kind of led you to, mm. do you still seek validation today? Yeah. The, the, the simplest way I can phrase it is that the way I can look back at it is I was a young man leading for love, not from love. So for as long as I was showing up in the world without my own, you know, let's use the words of, of Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman in the five love languages, he calls it a love tank. My love tank was empty. And I was using my community and the great feedback to fill my love tank. You know, my love language is words of affirmation, you know, yeah. and, and I was getting plenty of them. Um, the, the the thing is that that kind of cost me the invest. The, the things I needed to invest in was was the you know the roots of my relationship because I certainly weren't seeing the fruits of them. Um, and I got to a point where I I gave up hope and belief in a future with my wife, and I I made the decision that love was so important to me and the feeling of being loved that I was going to be courageous enough to to leave the family home. So 2019, I made the tough decision to and you. Let's context this. I'm a, I, I'm a young man who had two father figures abandon him. And the, and the, and the, what else do you know? Thing, the thing that killed know? me was what does that mean? That, what does that make me? What is, and there was something humbling when you get put in the same position where you're, where you understand how your father might have left. Sure. And it and there's something you know something about that just brought me a sense of ah shit, <laughs> but you know so here here was I making a similar decision very very different circumstances very different values, but I I, I left the home I, I was living back at my mum's house so, you know early thirties sleeping in my own my old bedroom except it was decorated now looked like there was a lampshade that was like going to come to life like some Beauty and the Beast kind of like it was <laughs> awful it was like. It was one of the worst months of my life, but I was at peace. Mm-hmm. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't peaceful. I, I was taking... Uh, the stress was not knowing what to do. The stress was, do I, don't I? Yeah. I was in a lot of peace because I took action. And what that enabled me to do is just to start listening to my heart around... And that might, that might sound cliche, but... Sometimes we can be in our mind too much. What should I do? What do people expect me to do? You know, what... It shoulda, woulda, coulda... Whereas when you just let listen to your heart and your heart's desires, it's a case of, okay, well, what do I want? Where do I want to be? Who who do I feel more energized around? Who do I feel more loving around? And am I willing to put myself in, back in a situation where actually I'm going to have to be humble? I'm going to have to go, right, okay, I'm going to put this to one side. And there was a point at the end of the month where my wife and I, we decided to bang our heads together and go again. That then sparked a, a transformational journey. Again, spiritual faith. My, my wife in our struggles found God and she was like, you need to find him too. And I was like, no, I do not. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm, like, I'm a man of science. I don't want anything to do with a big man. Thank you. Goodbye. But the irony is I feel like I've been pursued in, in, in ways. And um, I don't know if you have faith or, or your, the, all your listeners, but I certainly didn't want that. And I certainly didn't pursue that. But there were a series of events that happened as we got back together. I went to a festival that was primarily for Christians. I thought it was going to be 10,000 Ned Flanders in a field. It was my <laughs> idea of a worst nightmare, but it was incredible because I'm a people watcher, remember? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a people watcher and there was these people having great experiences, great communities, all walks of life. And I was curious. I got hooked. And then I went to a church and it was just a Father's Day commissioning. The pastor invited some men down the front just to say some words over the fathers. I thought, well, I'm a father. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) As he's saying these words, he said, that's it, women. If you want to put your hands out towards these men, you do that. And with that, it was like I was hadoukened. It was like she hadoukened me right in my spine and my whole body caught fire. And my eyes just streamed. And I just went back to my wife in, in their seats. I said, I don't want to talk about this ever again. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk about this ever again. I just want to say that I feel like a child of God. And that is it. And I guess from that moment, you know, two years ago, Father's Day two years ago, I've just I've just advanced and learned and tried to tap in into this sense of spirituality about about the love that God has for me. It's the most unconditional love I've experienced. And it enables me that the more I grow in my faith, it enables me to lead from love not for love. The, the more I know that I show up in the world seeking validation, seeking love, 
seeking it whatever that might be seeking volumes of views or the next guest the moment i know that i'm doing that i'm i'm in my mind i'm not in my heart and i know that i need to take some time and 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 through various kind of breathing techniques through heart math through reading it brings me back to an intimate experience with what i believe to be god but in effect it's the vibration energy of love god is love god is light god is in all he's through all and the heart math institute says that when our bodies are in states of love we emit photons which is light and i just find that there's some real cool universal truths that just all point towards the the fact that if we can give ourselves what we need if we can meet our needs and we can bring love from within our natural state as human beings is to be more loving to be more kind to be more caring and compassionate so just to top off the conversation from where you started it is that i get to choose where i go i get to choose where i serve i don't if i'm leading from the outside in i need to go back to my community or these places for me to feel love in the middle what i try and do now is feel love realize i lack nothing because everything in marketing is most successful when we are left to feel inadequate without it totally totally so if i can come to the world and this is why i do stuff in the mornings not in the evenings is if i can fill up my love tank in the morning i can come to the world knowing a i lack nothing and b choose who i love <laughs> dude i love that so much in there that's gold you have it so streamlined now i went through a very similar piece of that i didn't have the dad abandonment i still had the challenges that my parents faced because i was an only child i got all of them the insecurity for my mom the the you know my dad's mom died when he was a very young kid and so he dealt with he was dealing with that but i didn't understand my feelings and emotions and so that's one thing as a father that i work to work my kids through is understanding their feelings and emotions and what what they're doing what's going on inside and how to express it in a non um victimish way mm. but in a powerful way and like a um, hey, I'd just like to share this with you. What, what, regardless of what you do with it, I'm just getting it out because you're a safe person. And I want them to know that not everybody's going to be a safe person. you got to be careful. you got to be aware of your choices. However, there are many people out there that will just love on you, open their arms for you to talk to them. That's what we needed. If we would have had that, we wouldn't be the guys we are today. However, our missions were set before we were born. And we had to get through those things to be on these missions. Right. The mental purpose mission, elevate, educate, empower, enrich and evolve meant to be on purpose so they can reveal their most authentic self. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had that when we were like 20 years old, reveal mm-hmm. the most authentic self and live the most fulfilling and regret free life possible. But I went through that same thing. And when you were talking about our, I know I now am very clear why the universe was like, here's Ryan again. Here's Ryan again. Here's Ryan again. Is I had the same type of journey in 2019, but not with my wife, with a business partner who stole a ton of money. And I got woken up one morning and I thought my wife woke me up and somebody woke me up, but it wasn't her. And they were like, you got to get to nativity. And I was, and I ran downstairs, I got dressed real quick. I ran downstairs. I'm like, let's go. Why are you in your PJs? And she was like, what are you talking about? And she was with her sister was here and her sister's daughter. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you didn't just come up and wake me up and say, let's go to nativity. It's a church. And I'll, she's like, no, but it looks like you need to go. And I was like, I'm going, I'm just, I just, I'm not going to fight this anymore. Like I've been fighting her for many years because religion in my family was such a challenge. Like it was just such a challenge all the time. And it was, it was an area of contention and pain and fear and just ridiculousness. Catholic school will do that to you. And so I went and I bawled my eyes out. Because that message that he was speaking was right there for me. There was a thousand people in that room. The only person he was talking to was me. Mm-hmm. And this is a very different type of church. The church actually revolves around you versus you having it revolve around the church, which is the church's normal thing. And so after that, I, I stayed and I asked questions. How can I serve? How can I help? I said, look, I'm not, I grew up in a Jewish and Catholic household. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I'm just going to go with this. And I'm like, I'm like this, you know, let go, hands off. So Mm. that progressed to 
helping in some small men's groups or small groups, some men's groups, which started to solidify my coaching business that I already had and I was already running. And then I started meeting new people and I started meeting higher level people who were like, look, I, I know that God can't do this for me. And I've been living this lie to myself with, and, and the lie was that I don't have to be responsible for my activity or my actions, that I don't have to yeah. be accountable to the actions that I take once this entity, God, the universe puts something in front of me. And I was like, oh, wow. Now that's very clear for me now too, because I was always against so much of the God will do this for you if it's meant to happen. I'm like, well, but, but what about my free will? What about my power of choice that he gave? What about that? And that gave me clarity. And then all of a sudden I started meeting these dudes and my coaching business started expanding and my relationship got tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And so I get that. And I'm not a religious guy today. I just now am very aware that there is some other entity or energy out there acting upon me, yeah. period. I love that. I love that. And, you know, the name of your show, Men on Purpose, like my my journey around purpose, I've been, I've, you know, I've loved the pursuit of pursuing my own purpose. And, you know, it started with uh, watching Simon Sinek's TED Talk and getting curious mm -hmm. about my own. And in the early days, I was very fortunate enough that everything was going great. I found my purpose through my passion, what I love to do, which is around helping people be confident, authentic, clear in mind, and, and so that they can show up and be better than they were yesterday. I got the clarity and the depth of my purpose through my pain, you know, and, and you asked about, you know, how did you show up? How did you not become resentful? Well, <laughs> I had something revealed to me uh, that was still there. You know, I thought I had, I thought I had plowed my resentment into becoming the best dad I could be. Mm. Yet, at the in the in my, I think I was just before my thirties. Um, I was going for a senior leadership uh, program, and senior leaders were sat around with my social media profile. <laughs> so I had started to use Instagram as a way of sharing my heart and my mind for leadership, helping people. And I hear comments like, who is Ryan Hartley? What does he know about leadership? Right. You know, he's full of it. Um, and that triggered me more than I anticipated. And it was because I was made to feel like I didn't matter. Like, like I wasn't relevant. Like I wasn't significant. Like I didn't belong. I'd given 12 years of my life to that police force. And yet here I am being made to feel like I don't belong. Or even that maybe my heart is being misjudged. So... The depth of my purpose came clear through that experience is that I love helping people avoid that pain. And in doing so, I help create leaders who make people feel like they're mattered, who make people feel like they belong, like they can contribute their gifts, their skills and their talents, that they can come to a, a team from an unconditional love perspective and um, and that they get the leaders that they deserve because they, that leader, those leaders made such an impact on me. Yeah. But in a negative way. And then I would go home and not be who I needed to be for for my family. And if I could flip that and if I can help support and create and develop nurture leaders who did lead with love, with kindness, with care, with curiosity, with compassion, then the ripple effect of that is is just huge. And, you know, it comes from. You know, I got I got the point. Got to the point where the end of 2019, um, I was talking to my friend Jonathan from Tennessee. He's like, "You need to burn the boats, man! Burn the boats!" <laughs> I like Jonathan. I I got a mortgage. I got two kids. I I can't burn the boats. But the pain was such that uh, yep. I couldn't keep going. I couldn't keep going back to work. It was killing me. So I decided to have faith, make a leap of faith, and trust that God had given me a gift, and that I, it was my duty to use that. You know, yeah. in 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 the book of Peter, it talks about the the gifts and the skills and the talents we have. They're not for us; they're for those in the world that need it. So I I took a leap of faith and I made a commitment to start, you know, leaving space for the miracles. And you know, having having Matthew on my podcast is just one of those many miracles that 2020 brought me, or, or certainly yeah. the start of 2021 that I could never have made happen. Yeah, dude, it, that's awesome. That's so cool. What do you, um, there's something I wanted to ask you about the marriage. I just forgot. It. Anyway, do you think that this journey that we're on, so kind of 
finding your passion and your mission through your journey and the process. I don't, we don't know what would happen because what happened happened, right? And if we're we're the type of people that aren't making meaning of what happened, except for that it was beautiful and wonderful, then that's it, right? It had to happen. It had to happen because the effectiveness of me as a coach, the level of compassion and leadership that I have and openness and love and dedication and everything is because I've been through so many deep, dark things that scared me mm. so badly and that the people who reached out for me to, to, to help me up were so impactful in my life. I said, I, this is my, mm. I've got to do this. So like I found my passion and my mission through my journey and process through the pain and through yeah, the shit and through the, through the, through the things that I was doing. Like you had mm. to have that job. And you had to have those leaders that weren't really leaders. They're probably managers who were ineffective at best. And you had to have that. So does everybody have to go through the pain to be able to tap into their passion and their greatness? Or are they only going through or they're only getting to 50% or 80% of their actual mission and passion? Because Mm -hmm. let's face it. The only way to get clarity is to get rid of the things that are in the way and clouding. It's the only way. If you want to see to the bottom of a five foot piece of water, you stop, stop stirring up the mud. Mm. And when you are still and you stop moving around because you're nervous or you're moving around because you constantly have to move, the mud will Mm. settle. You see the bottom, you get your answer and then you pivot, you know, simple as that. It's elimination. Elimination has to be present. Do we have to go through pain to get to a purposeful, meaningful life? No. I think pain, the the purpose of pain is to help us, you know, to give us reason to move. And I, and I think if the reason sometimes pain is such a driver of purpose is because it, it reveals to us what's important. It reveals to us within us what we probably value, what we deem to be important. One of the greatest things that I've gained from interviewing, you know, 140 people on the podcast is that the overarching lesson I continue to take away is it's not what happens to us. It's not life that happens to us. It's how we choose to respond to what's happened to us. So I interviewed a guy called Austin Hatch. He's from Michigan. He survived two fatal plane crashes at an odds of like 16 quadrillion to one or something ridiculous. He, you know, two separate plane crashes, fly into the lake house. It took out his, I think it took out his mum and siblings uh, on the first time. And then eight years later, took out dad's stepdad, uh, dad's stepmom. And you think, okay, fine. There's, there's something, and then what you said at the start around trying to have someone be relatable. And sometimes having someone like Austin, you go, well, do I need to have that happen to me? You don't, you absolutely don't. But. In extreme circumstances, if someone like that can take life and go, I'm going to make this mean something, then we can certainly take a couple of senior leaders looking around at my social media profile and and use that for good. Because we're all humans. We We all have this uniting experience of emotion. And our challenge is to be able to tell stories that connect us through that universal expression of emotion love fear joy passion frustration um jealousy we've all experienced that what it means to be human i think if we can help connect on a human level with that through those uh emotions and through those stories it doesn't really matter what's actually happened to us what really matters is how we choose to use that in the moment and 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 how we feel about it and the thing i've come to realize is that there's an element of love to that you know when we when we get to use what we're naturally good at it feels great we get more energy from doing those things than it takes away when we get to help people overcome the pain with which we've once experienced so maybe they don't have to go through something similar or maybe we help them through that quicker we can feel alive and 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 when you just when you help someone in the world just simply because you love to do it and you would have done it anyway and they yeah. help you and and sometimes they pay you, you start to think, this is it. This yeah. is the secret. Like, 
too many people think this isn't possible, whereas in reality, they just don't pursue it. 100%. Yeah, dude. And then, but, and then there's the insecurity. Like, let's go deep here. Mm. This audience, I don't hide from this audience. They know everything about me. Mm. Like, by the way, I do need to tell, I do need to go back. There was a point in 2016 where my daughter was like a month or two old. And this woman who had been giving me all the attention and affection and love that I needed unconditionally, unlike the love that I was getting from mom and dad, which a lot of it was conditional because mm. I was labeled as very clear on that labeled as not actually this, this defiant, you know, bad, um, not smart, you know, like I, I was labeled smart, but like I, my testing said not smart, um, ADD, you know, kid that's bouncing off the walls and won't listen. And he's not going to make anything of himself and just be prepared right now. Like this kid's going to be collecting garbage the rest of his life or bagging groceries. And my, my, I think my mom believed it. And my dad never believed mm. it. My dad was like, no, fuck that. I mean, he's a kid. Like he's a kid. He's yeah. a kid with a lot of energy. But because I was constantly seeking that approval from my mom, like all of us are, um, and really, I, you know, I, I, I think when my mom finally clears her stuff out, really, really authentically clears her stuff out and finds who she really is, and I pray that she does this in her lifetime, um, then that will be authentically there. But for me, it was, okay, well, now there's a baby in here. And it sounds so effed up, dude, to talk about this. But, like, I started, I started going out. I started not being at the house. I started getting hotel rooms and sleeping at my parents' house and, and sleeping over mm. friends' houses. I, I wasn't getting what I wanted. And it, looking, looking back on that, you know, that six years ago, looking back on that, it was so effing selfish of me. But in my mind, it was so justified. It was so clear. Like, I, I, I can't get my bucket filled there anymore. And I'm going to die without that. I have to find people that are going to fill my bucket. So what did I do? Like most people, like most entrepreneurs, I poured myself into that business even harder. Mm -hmm. And those clients mm -hmm. became the bucket fillers. And my friends became yeah. the bucket fillers and money and deals and checks. The problem is that I was this this like this this perfectly balanced being that I would just tiptoe around everybody and work as aggressively as I could but tiptoe around you because if you left me too or if you <laughs> couldn't give me what I needed to like dude this is fucked up I mean people people think like oh Ian's doing really well in business he's crushing he's doing amazing but they didn't realize that the guy that I was inside was so damn insecure and so mm. self-concerned and so empty of <laughs> approval and self-love back then that like I was doing anything I could to get it anything mm. and it was really That's hard right. really hard yeah. so I get that man and I and I I don't know if I've ever shared that story on here in in full like that or in more detail like that but maybe it's time <laughs> Or is that no, I appreciate. I, I appreciate yeah. the realness and the courage, my friend. I think. I think the thing for me, my biggest trigger is that if I get the slightest hint of rejection or abandonment, I'll take myself off the table. Yeah. I'm not a choice. I'm not an option. You, you, right. you love me, or I take. You know, and it's a self-preservation <laughs> thing. Right. It is a. It's an insecurity. It's an ego. But I will not be rejected. I will not be abandoned again in my life, and therefore right. I'll take myself off the table. But the trick is, you know, to, again, fill that cup up ourselves and, and come to the world as whole, as one as we possibly can. That might sound so cliche, but no, there's so much dope. power and there's so much power. You know, this is this is why any man, woman, leader that's listening to this needs to double down on giving to themselves first because that that overflows you can't give what you've not got is the often said phrase and you i'd rather people didn't realize that once they get to burnout you mm -hmm. know if, if you want to be a great parent you want to be a great spouse you want to be a great anything just imagine how much greater you'll be if you're full of love and you're able to use that yeah well the this goes back to the elimination conversation we had a little like when i a statement that i made earlier and I had this conversation yesterday. I was in Detroit, Michigan with some really good friends and we were talking about parenting. And I said, you know, I don't know if there's any constant or given or like, or, or patterning, 
What I can tell you as a parent is that the more I clear of my past and the more I eliminate the pain and the suffering and all the BS that I made up meaning of over because your parents aren't going into a situation like, man, I, I can't wait to fuck this kid up. You know what I mean? I can't wait to ruin this kid's life and, and completely put him on couches forever and ruin his psyche and have him spend six figures a year on coaching. Man, I can't wait to do this today. Nobody does that. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are parents out there that do that. But here's the universal, in my opinion. Universal is if you commit or when you commit, and it's really if, to actually doing the work yourself as a human being mm. and realizing that, yes, you are a parent and you are a spouse or you are a husband or, or a son or a whatever, but you need to make that commitment for you. This is you fill your cup first, right? Like you have to fill your cup first. This is the conversation about being selfish that I have with a lot of men in their mid 40s and mid 50s who have very high net worths and they are the most miserable they could ever imagine being they got the house the cars the kids the wife like this 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 on the outside but on the inside they are melting mm -hmm. and the challenge is that that if you are not working on you if you are not clearing out and and removing the pain and the pain pieces and then the distractions that hide you from the pain pieces like work, which by the way, your mission in life is not to be a lawyer or a CPA or a teacher. Your mission is X and you do it through this. That's how it works. It's guaranteed. That's how it works. But if you so are I, not I just I just shared on my Instagram story this morning, I am not a coach. I coach. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. I, I, I my mission in life is lived through I'm served yeah. through coaching. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a coach. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to show up as a loving and accommodating and powerful being for people. But think about if everybody made a commitment to removing the stuff that no longer serves them in their life, mm -hmm. mindset, thought patterns, habits, behaviors, things like that. And then they agree to remove the distractions, job, gambling, sex, alcohol, cultural blaming my culture blaming this my my medical ailments all those distractions which people you know it's going to be very tough for to do because they have to face mm -hmm. the devil right in the center like square up but then what you do for the next generation which is our goal right your goal as a father and my goal as a father at least from what i'm hearing is to make sure that my kids don't go through the same shit. Like they'll have their own trauma, they'll have their own stuff to deal with. Yeah. I'll but, mess up in my own unique way, but it won't right, be the ones right. I've <laughs> But hopefully, hopefully what we will have taught them through yeah. word and action is that how to clear it out, how to move yeah. through it fast, how to yeah. share something that you're going through with someone that you trust, how to be in the right friend groups and environments so that you are actually loved unconditionally and you can mm. really mess up and you can have conversations with your friends like dude i have friend groups right now that i can sit and tell them anything deepest darkest mm. shit and they're like got you bro how do you need me to show off for you like aaron mm. my partner anything i tell him anything aaron i i i, I robbed the bank got it man how do you need me to show off for you right now like that's it mm. and i know that mm. for a fact so my fear mm -hmm. isn't that he'll let me down the fear is like he'll hold me accountable you know, like it's the opposite mm, side. Mm. So that's that's my that's my theory. What do you think about that? If everybody just committed to getting rid of the stuff that doesn't serve them and subsequently the distractions, then we actually show up as more of an authentic version of us. I think so. It's exactly the words you said earlier. Is it? It's inside out. You know, because I uh, there's a picture um, of my my family. We're in uh, Disney World and. Um, 2018 and we're all smiling but my daughter she was three at the time she's crying her eyes out and it's, it's a funny picture because we're in the happiest place in the world and she's crying her heart out but she looks on the outside how i felt on the inside interesting interesting and i was just surrounding myself with distractions and i, I think yeah. I, I i think simply i think simply removing the distractions does not fix anything because no, i think no. we'll just put it on to the next thing oh yeah We'll just put it on to the next thing because because it's the inside out that that matters most. So it's just getting clear on. For me, it's just um, the, the reason we seek to those distractions is because we're probably human beings with unmet needs. Totally.
So the yeah. more we can gain that intimate self-awareness around what does Ryan Hartley, the flawed human being, you know, because I accept that I'm a flawed human being because I am human. Uh, I'm not Jesus. I am human and I'm going to fall short and there's enough grace and space for that. And I'm worthy of being loved anyway. So what is it that he needs and how can I give that to him? Because I know that when I give that to him, he's better for everyone else around him. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, man. And that's so simply said. That's so simply said. Except that it's not hard to do. It's challenging to let that identity go. Because mm. that is almost mm. like going through hell. You know, in my opinion... I don't know if there is a heaven or a hell. I think that those of us that are that are lucky enough to free ourselves from the pain and build up our um, our skills and habits to be able to continue to not get let that stuff mm. in and stick. This shit's gonna happen all the time. We're gonna fail through mm. things. We're gonna mess mm. stuff up. We're gonna be in pain. Um, are the people that actually feel the heaven in life, whereas the people Thanks. that are that are constantly in that vicious cycle, repeating it every year, every yeah. year, every year, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're, they're in a personal hell. So you don't need to yeah. wait to go to hell. You're in yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here, you know, you're in hell. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think, I think having, having, having in hell is... Yeah, sorry, man. I didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, talk um, over But yeah, I believe, I believe heaven and hell are, are states here on earth. I believe, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, I think hell on earth is waking up every day, feeling miserable, hating life, being addicted to things outside of us, needing, you know, feeling like we lack. And so the, the, the heaven side of things is to connect with the state of, you know, love. And I think, you know, the heart math work says that when we raise our um, level of uh, energy, and combine that with the positive emotions. Yeah. Our electromagnetic field becomes a lot healthier. It sends yeah. our heart actually sends messages to the rest of our body that's more coherent, which means that we are able to recover and uh ha you know be more healthy. The good book says that perfect love casts out fear. Well, science says that when we're in states of love, it shuts down the production of oxy uh, uh, of cortisol from the amygdala, which is fear. <laughs> you know, so there's there's some really cool things that science is showing to be true that just point to the fact that the more that we can pursue love, the the better that we are for ourselves, the better that we are for others, and you know, and our and our our teams, our families, our communities, our businesses, our work, everything, our bodies, that everything gets better the more we pursue love. One hundred percent agreed. One hundred percent agreed. Something that I was thinking about when when you mentioned that was. You know, like the forgiveness of sins, right? Mm. If I, I think about this a lot because I'm kind of, I'm kind of caught in those two worlds of like, I really thank that church for what they did from Nativity Church in, 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 in uh, Lutherville, Timonium, Maryland. They, 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 they did what other co what a coach couldn't do at the time. They did what um, I, I've never had done which was they helped me move out of my own way real fast, like real <laughs> fast. But they never said God or Jesus will take care of you. They said it's within you, mm -hmm. within you. And I was like, oh, it's within me? And they were like, yes, it's all, it's all <laughs> on you. You've been empowered by, so now go take action. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy enough. Okay, I don't have to wait for anybody. <laughs> but the one thing that kind of triggered me was the forgiveness of sins. Right. Yeah. And is that if it's in you already, like are the forgiveness of sins, just that release and that clearance. And then what happens is like mm. that, that person's just there. That authentic is mm. there. Like I use the um, Michelangelo's David analogy a lot. Very clear. Michelangelo said, I didn't create the David. I just chipped away the pieces of marble that weren't mm. David. Right. Mm. That's, that's mm. very clear, very distinct. Those two sides. And if, if that's our job here on earth, then isn't it our job to clear the sins from the past, clear the bullshit, clear the problems, the traumas, the ways of being, the attitudes, the habits, so that we can reveal our most authentic self and live in a heavenly state from here out? Because yeah. I tell you right now, dude, my life is real good, real good. Yeah, and it's not that I don't deal with bullshit or pain. 
But yep. my life is real good because I am committed to making sure that all that stuff stays in the past. All of it. Yeah. You know? I love it. Yeah, you know, if we're going to sit here and acknowledge that God is within us, we also have to acknowledge that there's a spiritual warfare playing out, you know, and John Gordon's great book, The The, the Garden, it talks about how the purpose of the enemy is to get us to doubt ourselves or to distract us or to deceive us or, you know, it's um, everything the enemy does is to prevent us from who we should and who we should be, who we were made to be, who we are becoming. The purpose... So, there's there's some scripture in Isaiah that says um with the words of God you'll soar on the wings of eagles right and i think the enemy is the opposite i think enemy is like gravity and its purpose is to yeah. keep us grounded is to keep us here on earth is to keep us from flight is to keep us stuck where we are doubting who we were made to be doubting whether we can be any good or anything and and it, we we we're, we're fed a lie we're, de- we're deceived by that we start to believe it so the best thing that we can start doing is speaking truth to to those lies and just just remind ourselves that you know, we we do have a purpose we do have a set of gifts skills and talents we are loved already we do lack nothing and we are promised a hope in a future yeah and we're 100 percent responsible <laughs> yeah 100%. we're 100 responsible that's it yeah. and when people realize that when I love Jocko Willink and, and what he says yeah. about extreme ownership. Like it's exactly that. When you take responsibility for everything in life, the great thing happens is that you're able then to do something about it. For as long as you look at anything external or anyone external, you're giving away your power to influence what you could influence. Yeah. That's as simple as that. It sounds so simple, dude. It's like one, two, three equals this like nice and easy. It is not that it's not that easy because this world we live in, at least this Western and and I mean, I, I guess you're you're considered Western culture too, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like your culture is way more older than uh, this culture, but we are a culture built of distraction, of mm-hmm. of unnecessity and unnecessary, and we don't know what yeah. we want until someone tells us what we need, and then we go buy <laughs> it, and then we stay in a cycle. So it, we, we are the culture that we live in is never going to let us up. That's why I love those walkabouts in green lights. Yeah. And I really associate yeah, it with yeah, those yeah. because my wife kicks me out of here every like three or four weeks. Same thing. Hey, I think it's uh, about that time, buddy. Why don't you? So all year this year, people were wondering, what are you doing in LA, man? You're away from your family. Like, why are you in LA so much? Well, I'm moving there. So I'm setting things up and I'm, I'm building a business there. And, and, uh, but really what it was, was, was it, it was me in a, and, it, and listen, and this sounds, this sounds really bougie, but it's not. I was in this house in West Hollywood on the Beverly Hills border. And then I had a house in Beverly Hills too, where I didn't have internet. I didn't have TV. I didn't have phone. I just sat and I built and I had, and I removed as many distractions as I possibly could to make sure that my mm. mind was as clear as possible to get clarity and depth on our coaching uh, curriculum. Mm. That was the biggest thing I needed to do this year was scale our coaching business. Scaling our coaching business was the only thing that we needed because I wasn't a, I wasn't not happy that, that it wasn't as much money as I envisioned. I wasn't happy because I wasn't helping as many people as possible. And that's a very different men- mindset that I had from my real estate business, which was, jack these checks in as fast as possible are the clients happy good not the most important thing and that's honest now there are some clients out there uh that i really loved like i still do and i still keep in touch with they they were very unconditionally supportive to me but most people treated me like a commodity because real estate agents are commodities until they're not period but as a coach you and i are not commodities because the level of which we've attained thus far is not attained by everybody. And so we can help you through things that maybe another person just can't because they just haven't been there yet. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But I needed those walkabouts. I needed that time alone. And I miss my kids and I miss my wife and I miss my house and miss my friends. But dude, I got done in three and a half, four months, what would take most people two years. No joke. 
because I had the discipline. And I said, look, here's what you can do. Your buddy's coming into town for two days. You're going to hang, you're going to chill. When he leaves, the car goes back Mm, mm. and you are here. And if you want to go anywhere, you will walk. Yeah. And I walked. I am. I love that. So you, you know that Jocko says discipline equals freedom. Well, I think discipline is a word of the mind. And I think the equivalent word of the heart is devotion. And I think that devotion equals fulfillment, you know, and when we are fulfilled, that stuff gives us more energy than it takes away. Discipline. Say that again. Discipline. Discipline equals freedom. Equals freedom. And devotion equals fulfillment. So Jocko Willink talks about how discipline equals freedom. If you're disciplined uh, in your work ethic in terms of the way that you go to the gym, you'll have freedom of physical movement for longer. If you're disciplined in your financial savings, you'll have freedom to spend more. Whereas for me, if you if you relate, I think that's a mind thing. I think discipline is a trait sure. of the mind. Sure. If we if we we can be disciplined at things that we achieve great things. But if we haven't engaged the heart, we can get that kind of penguins and Madagascar moment where we're like, oh, well, this sucks. I don't really like this job anymore. I'm not really happy. <laughs> if we if we engage the heart and we become devoted to this one idea of, you know, helping good people in the world pursue their own purpose and become authentic and best, you know, we become devoted to a single idea or a mission or something like that. Man, that becomes life-giving. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's really simply said, man. I was going to add something to that, but I don't, I don't think there anything needs to be added. That's really great. <laughs> I love that, well, dude. I, um, I'm really grateful that you came on, man, and that you, you felt the same kind of universal pull. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fight this. This guy wants me on. Let's do it. Let's roll. Because yeah. I, I think this conversation was awesome. Seriously, awesome. Very powerful for the audience too. And, um, and thank you for for holding that space for me to share more of me than the audience just doesn't know yeah. that they don't know because I don't Perfect. realize that I haven't talked about it as much depth as I can. And by the way, that, mm-hmm. that led to uh, divorce attorneys. Like it was going, it was, it was heading, mm-hmm. it was heading straight down the mountain. And then a divorce attorney mm-hmm. said to me, it's the biggest mistake of your life. You're going to pay me for this session. Regardless, it's the biggest mistake of your life. And at that time I didn't love me. So I couldn't love her. I couldn't see what it was going to be. I couldn't see anything past the checks because the checks made me mm. significant. And, uh, and, and he said, I'm not going to help you. And I was like, well, that's what she wants. And he goes, she wants that because you're an asshole, but she wants you because she knows who you are. Kind of chokes me up a little mm. bit still because she said that to me in a, um, in a, in a marriage like counseling session. I said, why the fuck do you stay with me? Like I'm such an asshole. She goes, you're not. That's just the scared little boy version of you. I know the real mm. you. And that real you is, I'm pretty just, I'm just hoping that that guy comes back. And so wow. after that, it was like, Powerful. man, like I, if she would have been protesting and jumping up and down and screaming and calling me names, I would have been out. But that also would have given me an excuse to not have to be. Mm. But all, all she did was like intensify and turn every light in the entire room on me. She's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to honor your commitment to be the best dad and husband or are you not? And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for everybody. And I'm going to build a coaching Mm. business out of it. And that's how this whole thing started. Powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Takes courage. And I think sometimes those conversations are really hard because there are two people in that room. There are two people in a relationship. And quite often we can go well, you're not doing what you need to do either. And the minute we start yeah. to do the tip, tip and tat, it's, yeah. we've, we've all lost. So that extreme ownership is just a case of you're not owning everything and, and, and everybody's contribution. You're simply owning everything that you're contributing. Dude, you're dropping bombs. This is the last minute here. <laughs> yeah. It's like shit. It's like they. It's like they say if you give enough typewriters to enough monkeys, sooner or later one of them will write Shakespeare. I just say enough <laughs> things and hope, <laughs> hope that something good comes out. Well, dude, Ryan Hartley, always better than yesterday. Where can people find you, man? Yes, you find me on on Instagram at Ryan B Hartley. Uh, the, probably the best place is uh, my my website, RyanHartley.co.uk. 
So all the links to the good places in terms of coaching community, um, YouTube. Yeah, so and, and the podcast too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, look, this has been uh, a real pleasure. A real pleasure. And I, oh, I want to I, I figure out a way. There's, there's like vibes that I feel with people. I'd love to um, – uh, our front runner events, our, our retreats, our, our weekend retreats and our weekly retreats, um, their personal involvement retreats. I'd love to figure out a way to do something with you over across the pond, man. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah get some yeah. of your clients together, some of our international clients together in London or, or some beach town in like North England. Like that'd be awesome. You know, <laughs> mate, you've said it now, you've spoken it into existence. So it's our duty to try and make that happen. So it's done. And it will. And it will be done. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I love what you're doing and, and the, yeah. uh, the ripple effect that, that your your voice is going to have, my friend. I'm really grateful to join you. Yeah, dude. Likewise. Likewise. So, all right, cool. Audience, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one.